Welcome to Hawthorne. You should be at the corner of Hawthorne and Southeast 33rd Avenue at the entrance to an alley, Alley 33. Pause the tour if you need time to get to the entrance of the alley and press play when you're ready. Facing that alley, there's a mural on your right. Go ahead and stand out of the way to your left by the mossy rock wall. The alley is right off Hawthorne, the neighborhood's namesake street and main drag. If you turn your back to the alley, that's the street right in front of you. If you look across Hawthorne, you'll see a free Tibet store. And to your left, there's a great vintage shop, House of Vintage. Hawthorne is the hippiest, dippiest street I know, and it really exemplifies Portland. There are buskers on the corner, tall bikes in the street, activism at every corner. And with the smell of nag champa incense wafting out of doorways and skunky smells wafting from alleys like this one, Hawthorne is the place where art and quirky businesses thrive. And a lot of those businesses are pot-related. My name is Tessa Lee. I was born and raised here in Portland. This neighborhood is one of my old stomping grounds. I'm a head bud tender at a local dispensary. Yes, bud tender. We're like bartenders for weed. But the job is also so much more. Today I'm going to share with you my story and tell you how I went from someone who rarely even smoked pot to someone who has made cannabis my career. It's not all what I expected, and my story probably isn't what you'd expect either. I'm also going to tell you the story of Hawthorne and let you in on some of its only in Portland quirks. This is where a lot of people in Portland, including myself, smoke pot for the very first time. And it always has been a key location for art, activism, and pot-related retail. I'll show you how Portland has evolved from head shops full of tie-dye to hand-blown glass pieces, upwards of $10,000 per piece. And show you how these days, you can buy pot from a nice store instead of a handshake in an alley like this one. How has cannabis changed my life? How has legalization changed things around here? Why is Hawthorne ground zero for Portland's cannabis culture? And why is Portland the perfect place for pot? I hope to answer those questions for you today. We're going to two different dispensaries, so make sure you have your ID on you, and if you plan to buy anything, please keep in mind that cannabis is a cash-only business. Are you ready? Let's go. With Hawthorne to your back, walk up the alley. When I was coming of age in the early 90s here in Hawthorne, this was the alley. This was the spot. I was told that long before my day, in the late 60s, it was as well. We called it Smoker's Alley. It was a safe place where you could meet with your dealer or your friend, probably the same person, and share a joint before going out on Hawthorne. There was little foot or car traffic here back then. The food carts weren't here, so it was the perfect hidden spot. And the thing is, pot has been decriminalized in Oregon since 1973. It was the first state to do so. That doesn't mean weed has been legal since then. Decriminalization basically means that if you get caught with a little pot here, and it's your first time, you won't face arrest or prison time. Turn right into the neighborhood and keep walking on the sidewalk. I want to take you through the area a little bit before we head back to the main Hawthorne drag so that you can get a sense of what it's all about. On your right here, you'll see a beautiful purple house, and there's a turquoise one up on your left. Everywhere you go in Hawthorne, there are these touches of art and whimsy. This is the kind of neighborhood I grew up in, and I definitely think it bred me to be open-minded about pot. In Portland, and especially here on Hawthorne, all adults around me were aging hippies 
and artists, and so the pervading attitude was always very liberal. And it was always a place that celebrated people expressing themselves freely. You see, Portland traditionally is the smallest big city in the Northwest. Being so close to Seattle and San Francisco, which are bigger and more expensive, Portland's lower cost of living and smaller town feel has been a draw to artsy liberal types, probably since the 1960s. Traditionally, you wouldn't have had to make much money to live here and support your passion, whether it be art or social activism or music or what. My mom actually was a pretty big pothead. She didn't talk about it much, but I always knew it was going on. So being rebellious for me meant not smoking a lot. Cross the street up here. There's no stop sign here, so please be careful. So remember earlier when I mentioned whimsy? Look down at the sidewalk just past the corner up on your left. Do you see the mosaic art that someone has made in the cement here? There's a flower made of horseshoes. Do you see it? Take a closer look. Behind the flower made of horseshoes, you'll see a brass ring attached to the curb. Keep an eye out for more of them on your walk today. I'll explain what they are later. Okay, go ahead. Keep walking forward now. I've never been able to find out who made this art on the sidewalk, but I think it's very Hawthorne. I love stuff like this. One way people express themselves freely here is through art. Like smoking, it technically is not legal to deface public sidewalks in this way, but no one would ever stop you here in Portland. It's sort of a, if it feels good, do it philosophy. And that applies to public art, smoking pot, and any other thing that floats your boat, as long as it isn't harming anyone. You've heard the motto, keep Portland weird. It's all a part of that. All right, back to my story. Like I said, I didn't even really ever smoke pot as a teenager, but I found myself in trouble when I was 19. First, I got pregnant. Then, my daughter's father died in a car accident while I was pregnant. And I was a pretty prideful 19-year-old, so I didn't want to go get public assistance. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. A friend of mine said, hey, I got a job for you. And that job was working on a pot farm. Watch for traffic and cross straight up ahead. I'll meet you on the next corner. Stop here on the corner with me for a minute. I spent most of my 20s and 30s hanging out around here. Right here, in fact. For two and a half years, I rented a room in this beige house on the corner. The address on the door says 1400. I had the basement room off to the left of the building. I actually planted the massive rosemary bush in front of you facing the house. Go ahead. Rub your fingers on a sprig. Take in that amazing piney smell. That's one of the smells of Portland to me. But this was after I left the farm. Let me finish telling you what happened with that. On the corner, facing the house, turn right and keep walking, keeping the house on your left. I started working at the farm when I was 20 years old, so I guess that would be 1995. Everything was illegal, even medical marijuana back then. To this day, I don't know where that farm actually was. I lived in Ashland, Oregon, but to get to the plants, I had to be blindfolded. The cannabis industry was very prosperous for someone in my position, a single mother with no benefits. For trimming, you made $250 to $400 an hour. For tending the garden, you made $500 to $1,000 a day. For moving product, that was the big bucks. 1000 to 5000 per trip, 
depending on how much had to be moved and how far I had to go. When you reach the corner up ahead, turn left and keep walking. The old red brick building on your left is the Douglas Building. It was built in 1929 and is one of a handful of historic buildings in the area. Keep walking until you see a store called Tender Loving Empire. It's the last storefront in this building. There was a streetcar line down Hawthorne until 1936, so that's why it originally became a commercial district. Stop here at Tender Loving Empire. This is one of my favorite newer stores, but it really exemplifies the type of stores that I've always loved here on Hawthorne. Quirky and full of local stuff. It started as an indie record label in 2006. Then the couple that owns it started selling things made by their friends. Now the whole shop is filled with locally made goods sold on consignment, and they sell the records in the back. I'm going to send you inside. Go to the cashier, let them know that you're here with Detour, and they'll give you something. I'll tell you what to do with that something later. Go ahead and pause me and go on in. Press play when you're back outside. Are you back outside? With your back to Tender Living Empire, turn left and keep walking. Put the plastic horse and the piece of string that the cashier gave you in your pocket. You'll need them later. You'll pass Portland's famous fancy donut shop, Blue Star, up here on your left. Hawthorne isn't a bad place if you happen to have the munchies. Coming up to the corner here, you'll often see some buskers on this block selling crystals or jewelry or playing pan flutes or bongos. There used to be a local drum circle here. Hawthorne was one of the first places where businesses welcomed drum circles. The hippie culture that Portland is often known for still hangs out on this corner. Okay, now cross the small street towards Ben and Jerry's when traffic is clear, and then turn right, use the crosswalk to cross Hawthorne to the red light vintage store. Stop here on the corner for a sec. The red building is red light vintage. If it's a rare, warm Portland day, the doors might be open, and you can probably smell the clothing of the past mixing with the Nag Champa incense wafting through the air. That smell always transports me back to the 1990s in Portland, and Hawthorne's always been known as a great street to find vintage clothing. It's a part of the hippie vibe. Facing red light, turn left and cross the street towards the red brick building, the Bread and Ink Cafe. Keep walking down Hawthorne, Back to my time on the pot farm. I made plenty of money and I made it fast. It allowed me to support my daughter comfortably and I didn't have to be away from her for too long. That was what was keeping me there at first. But it was a stressful day, every day, and unsafe. I was a young girl out at grow houses. I didn't know where I was. No one knew where I was either. I thought about that. I thought I could just disappear or I could get arrested. I didn't like thinking every day that I'm going to lose it all, including my child. My gut kept telling me, you gotta get out. So I quit after a year. My daughter was about one. Cross the street towards the Baghdad Theater. You'll turn right after you cross. Turn right on 37th Avenue and walk with the theater on your left. Stop when you are outside the Greater Trump Cigar Bar. The Baghdad Theater is one of the many businesses in Portland owned by the McMiniman Brothers. 
They started buying old buildings in the late 70s, refurbishing them and reopening them as pubs, hotels, and theaters. The Baghdad has been around since 1927, but the McMiniman brothers acquired it in 1991. Have you reached Greater Trump's cigar bar yet? Stop outside. Greater Trump's is one of a handful of cigar bars in Portland. Oregon's smoking ban required nearly every bar to go smoke-free in 2009 and made it essentially impossible to open a new cigar bar. Greater Trump's was grandfathered in, but you can't smoke pot in public, even though consumption is legal now. Before the smoking ban, there were actually some medical dispensaries that had what they called cannabis cafes attached to them. Medical marijuana patients would pay a membership fee that allowed them to smoke freely in the cafe as long as no money for pot was exchanging hands. But the Clean Air Act rule made that sort of thing impossible now. We actually had a wonderful cannabis club here in Northwest called World Famous Cannabis Cafe. You would pay a one-time fee to visit, bring your own pot, and share. I really hope that someday we'll see that come back. Okay, one other thing I want to point out about this building is the backstage bar. Facing Trump's, you should see a sign for backstage bar to your right. If it's open, go inside. If it's not open, stay out here on the street to listen. When you get inside, head straight back into the open bar space. If someone asks, just let them know you're here on a detour. The backstage bar is also owned by the McMinimans and is an awesome bar and billiards lounge in a space right behind the screen of the Baghdad Theater. The ceiling is seven stories high. The backstage space has a great history. In the 1930s, it was a behind-the-scenes area for Baghdad vaudeville acts. But in the 1970s, it was an art house and classic Hawthorne hippie hangout. On the back wall is a massive 20-by-20-foot 20 20 mural depicting the various tales, characters, and memories from the Baghdad since its opening in 1927. It was painted by a group of six local artists. Do you see it? It's hard to miss. On the lower left corner, you'll see a depiction of Ken Kesey and his day glow bus. Further. To celebrate the publication of the novel, Sometimes a Great Notion, Kesey and the Merry Pranksters drove from Oregon to New York in Further. During the Odyssey, they shot more than 40 hours of film to create the movie, which was later shown at events that were called acid tests. One of the acid tests took place west of here on Hawthorne. Ken was from Oregon and was a frequent visitor to Hawthorne in the 1960s. He was also a fan of marijuana and was arrested twice in California for possession in the 1960s. The movie adaptation of his book, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, with Jack Nicholson, premiered here in 1975. All right, go back out to the street. Pause me and press play when you're back outside. Are you outside Backstage Bar? Facing the bar, turn left and walk back up to Hawthorne. So it turned out my gut instincts were right. Four months after I left the pot farm, I found out they got busted. It was sad to me. These were good people and families. They weren't crime lords or heroin dealers. The owner was sentenced to 20 years in jail. Fortunately for him, he got out early on good behavior. Up here at the corner, wait for the light 
and cross Hawthorne. Turn right and walk with the Baghdad across the street to your right. So after quitting the farm, I needed to escape. I needed to get away from the lifestyle. So I moved to California. Shortly after I moved, I started experiencing extreme anxiety for the very first time. It got so bad that I couldn't really even leave my house. I was borderline agoraphobic. I gained a ton of weight and barely left my house for months. I went to the doctor and I tried all sorts of medications that had really bad side effects. When finally he said, I'm going to try prescribing you medical marijuana. I didn't want to accept that as the answer at first because I left that world and I didn't want to be a pothead. I had to change the way I looked at it, to look at pot as medication rather than a drug, and to use it accordingly. Step up here at Powell's Home and Garden Annex on your left. Go on in. Make an immediate left and walk to the left wall of the store. On the third bookcase from the left, there are a few shelves of books on growing and cooking with marijuana. See them on the bottom there? There are some great books in here, and I'm grateful that the stigma of pot doesn't prevent local stores like Powell's from carrying them. Again, as a Portland-based business, Powell's really reflects how open-minded the city is about marijuana use. Go ahead and browse through some of the books. I recommend looking for the Cannabis Cookbook by Tim Plocher. I especially appreciated having access to nice books on cooking with cannabis when I was a medical care provider. I'll tell you more about that later. My patient didn't like to smoke, so it was important for me to make edibles with the right dose of medicine that also tasted good. Okay, head back outside. Pause me and press play when you're outside. Are you outside? With your back to pals, make a left and keep walking up Hawthorne. Up at the corner, wait for traffic to clear and cross the street in the same direction we've been heading, towards the green building. Okay, keep walking up Hawthorne with the green building on your left. It's a Fred Meyer grocery store. Even though Portland has always been liberal regarding pot use, it still took a long time and a lot of activism to get it legalized. Portland may be liberal, but the rest of the state is very conservative. In Portland itself, Hawthorne was ground zero for pot activism. A famous pot activist by the name of Jack Herrer and his son Mark used to petition out in front of this grocery store. Now, whether or not you've heard of Jack, his influence is everywhere, especially in legalization. Jack and Mark lived in Hawthorne, and they would petition right here in the parking lot of this very grocery store in 1998. That year, they were able to get medical marijuana use on the state ballot, and it passed. It was the start of the Oregon Medical Marijuana Program. Washington and Alaska also passed legislation to legalize medical use that year. Before then, California was the only state to have legal medical use. They voted for medicinal in 1996. So once Oregon voted yes on medical marijuana, dispensaries started to open throughout the state and here on Hawthorne. I'm going to take you to one now, though of course, now it's a recreational as well as medical dispensary. Wait for the light at the corner and cross the street. Turn left and keep walking. We're headed to our first dispensary. Yes, get excited. I think one of the big problems that I had in early age with trying pot, 
And something that I think is a big problem in places where you can't get it legally is that you really never know what you're getting and how it's going to affect you. It's like walking to a bar and saying, give me some alcohol and just drinking whatever they hand you. There are many different strains of pot and they all have different effects. That's why it's great to have dispensaries with bud tenders to help you get the right product for you. Inside the dispensary, you'll find a huge array of products, not just flour, which is how we refer to dry cured pot buds, but pre-rolled joints, tinctures, balms for achy joints, edibles, and you can even buy plants. On your right, you should see the black and white sign for Natural Wonders. Stop there. Here at Natural Wonders, they're really into science and the future. The owners, Jackson and Hannah, are my favorite kind of dispensary owner, in it for all the right reasons, and passionate about education. If it weren't for people like them, with their passion and dedication, there wouldn't be as much information out there for Oregonians. And in true Portland fashion, they try to work with local growers with sustainable practices. We're going inside. If you haven't been in a dispensary before, I'll give you a little pep talk before entering. You definitely shouldn't be scared, though. Going into a dispensary is a totally acceptable thing around here, and I think you'll find this one's really nice place. Go ahead, stand by the blue bike rack while I give you your pep talk. When you first walk in the door, to your right, there will be a front desk where they'll ask to see your ID. They take down your first name, last name, and your birth date, and keep it on a hard drive in the store. They use it to track what and how much they sell you. Dispensaries need to keep track of who comes in to keep their own records of how much each person has purchased, since there are strict limits set here by law. In terms of what is legal, as a recreational user, you are allowed to buy up to 33 grams of cannabis product, which can be broken down into 28 grams of flour, and the other 5 grams can be tincture, extracts, concentrates, or edibles. Per dispensary, per day. After you're checked in, you'll be sent through a door and into the actual dispensary. Okay, no deep breath needed. I'm about to send you inside. But I do have a task for you in there. I want you to ask to smell one strain of sativa and one strain of indica and have the bud tender explain to you the difference. My advice to anyone, especially visiting a dispensary for the first time, is to ask a lot of questions. Good bud tenders love to offer up help. We have a plethora of information and we're there to answer your questions. Good bud tenders also ask their clients a lot of questions so that they can get feedback on different products and advise you better. Okay, I'll put the names of the strains on your phone to remind you what to ask to smell. If the screen of the app is blurred, just tap it and it will clear. Don't be nervous about not buying anything. That's totally fine. I just want to show you what a modern dispensary is like now that pot is legal. They're expecting you. Press pause and go on in. Hit play when you're back outside. Are you back outside? Did you have a good time? I bet you did. With your back to the storefront, make a left and walk to Hawthorne. I hope you enjoyed your time in the dispensary. I'm always amazed at how different various strains of pot can smell. I hope the bed tenders taught you a little something. It's so important to learn what different cannabis products can do beyond getting you stoned. Remember that activist Jack Hare I told you about who petitioned outside of Fred Meyers? Well, back in 1985, he published a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. 
It was all about the different uses of every part of the hemp plant. At the corner, keep left and keep walking down Hawthorne. Amongst the pot activist community, Jack's book is like the Bible. The other thing to know about Jack is that he had a head shop right here on Hawthorne. It was called The Third Eye and was in a big, colorful house coming up across the street. The second house on your right. The one with the paintings all over the front. It's as colorful as Jack was and his son Mark is. Mark ran the shop after his father had passed away. Let's stop up here where you can see the large red sculpture in front of the turquoise house on your left. This turquoise house is the Adorn Tattoo Studio. Facing the house, if you turn to your left, you'll see a large mural on the wall by Icho and Jeremy Nichols. The woman in the piece is the female form of the Hindu deity Shiva. She is surrounded by molecules and double helixes of DNA. Facing the turquoise house again, if you turn to your right, you'll notice a large red sculpture of a single helix in the yard. What's with all the helix art? Well, a brilliant chemist and a great humanitarian named Linus Pauling grew up in the White House next door. He's the only person in history to have won two unshared Nobel Prizes for chemistry in 1954 and peace in 1962. The red sculpture, designed by sculptor Julian Vos André in 2004, is a tribute to Pauling's greatest scientific accomplishment. In 1951, he published The Structure of the Alpha Helix, which is an important basic component of many proteins. Pauling received the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in opposition to weapons of mass destruction after the atom bombs were dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'd say that mission of peace fits nicely here in Hawthorne, and I'm glad to have a reminder of it. As for the science, I'll reiterate the big benefit of legalization is making it possible for scientists to study the marijuana plant more thoroughly. Okay, facing the white Linus Pauling house, turn to your right. Do you see the orange wall with the mural on it? Go ahead and walk closer to get a better look. Do you see the bees around the hexagonal wooden hive? The tag on the hive says, Notes. That's the street art name of artist Derek Leach. He's actually the manager of the shop that's on the other side of that wall. It's called Headlandia, and we'll go in there in a minute. Derek painted this mural in 2016. The owner, Judy, is really into both the art and the cannabis community, so she gave him free reign to paint whatever he wanted. Derek told me he chose to paint bees because he's fascinated by how such a small creature plays a big role in the ecosystem. The honey is also a reference to dabbing with honey oil. Honey oil is a super potent type of extract that gets you very, very high. You vaporize and inhale it using what's called an oil rig. When we go inside Headlandia, you can ask to see one. All right, walk around to the front of the building that Derek's mural is on and stop there. Right across the street is where Third Eye used to be. If you look at your phone, you can see a picture of it. I'm 41 now, but when I was 18, I came to the Third Eye in Hawthorne to buy my first pipe with my mom and her boyfriend. That was when they officially came out to me as pot smokers. Third Eye sadly closed in March of 2017 after almost 30 years in business. It just couldn't withstand the changing industry. I'm happy to have legalized marijuana use, but the flip side is just about everyone is selling paraphernalia. You don't have to go to a standalone head shop anymore. It's a real competitive market. 
I guess head shops in the old sense are a bit of a dying breed. But there are still some head shops hanging in there. Like the one you're standing in front of now, Headlandia. It and Nomad Crossing next door have been here since the 90s, and they certainly still capture that vibe. Go on into Headlandia. If the clerk asks if they can help you, just tell them that you're on a detour. It might even be Derek, so say hi. On the back wall, you'll see that they sell spray paint for street artists, and you'll see spray paint art all over their walls. Headlandia definitely embraces the art as well as the pot world. That's why they asked Derek, aka Notes, to do a mural on the outside of the building. And of course, diversifying and selling art supplies is one way to stay in business now that the paraphernalia market is more competitive. But of course, you'll still find classic cases of glass pipes and bongs here. But there are so many other types of glass smoking devices beyond your basic bong. Go ahead and ask the person behind the counter if they can show you an oil rig. Ask them to tell you how it's used. Then head back outside. Pause me while you ask about the oil rig and press play when you're back out front. Now that you're back outside with your back to Headlandia, turn left and walk to the corner. You'll see Nomad Crossing on your left. It's owned by the same people and has more of the traditional tie-dye head shop feel inside. There's another mirror by notes on the side. Wait for traffic to be clear and cross 40th Avenue. Keep walking straight on Hawthorne. So back to my story. I left the farm, moved to California, and got prescribed medical weed. It immediately helped my anxiety and agoraphobia. I moved back to Portland and back to Hawthorne. I lived in that house I showed you earlier with the rosemary bush and worked in retail to support my daughter and myself. I had a lot of anxiety back then, trying to illegally use marijuana medically and keep it a secret because I still had to worry about losing my daughter since it wasn't legal here. I was lucky enough to have a friend that would bring it to my house so I didn't have to risk buying it in public. I think a lot of people really wondered how I handled the stress of supporting a child on my own so well, and I really wish that I could have told them how. I would have loved to have opened up that conversation, because back then, people still didn't really think of pot as anything more than being a drug that would get you high, or something you use for fun. Anyway, I started thinking about pot like medication, and it really changed my perspective. Using medical marijuana doesn't mean being baked all the time. You dose it out like you would take any other medication. Stop here in front of the house on the corner. This house holds Fernie Bray. Fernie Bray is a gallery, a store, a home for fairies. Yeah, you heard me right, fairies. Tell me you believe in fairies. This is the type of store you could actually only find in Portland, especially on Hawthorne. People here take a thing that they're passionate about and go all the way with it. That brings me to what I want you to do with that horse that you picked up at Tender Loving Empire earlier. Walk to the corner, turn left, and stop just after you turn. Look at the curb to the left of the tree. You should see a brass ring. You'll see rings like that all over Portland. They actually date back to the early 1900s when his citizens used them to fasten their horse carts. It's just one of those relics from days past that Portland embraces in a way that you might only find in this town. 
In 2005, a local artist named Scott Wayne Indiana started The Horse Project. He started tying up tiny toy horses to the rings and encouraged other people to do the same. He had fallen in love with the rings as a child in the 1970s and wanted to encourage people to take notice of them. To imagine a time when the streets were full of horses, not cars, just like he did as a kid. Keep an eye out for them around town. It's something that still goes on today. On your phone screen is one of Scott's favorite photos. He wanted me to share it with you. So now it's time to get out that horse and string that you picked up at Tender Loving Empire. Go on and tie your horse to the ring. Use Detour's camera feature to take a photo and post it to your social media. Make sure to post it on the wall of the Portland Horse Project Facebook page. And you can use the hashtag Portland Horse Project on Instagram. I'll wait for you. Just close the camera when you're ready to keep going. Now you're a part of the Horse Project too. I think it's a great example of the small artistic touches that really make Portland, Portland. Okay, now go back to the corner and cross to your left towards the strip mall when the traffic is clear. Our next stop is in the strip mall on your left. Watch for traffic, but head to the back corner where you should see a sign for a store called Mellow Mood. Stop out front before going in. Mellow Mood is just one of the many pot-related shops in this stretch, sustaining the culture of cannabis on Hawthorne. They specialize in selling pot-related glassware, but they aren't your average bong shop. Mellow Mood is a gallery of functional glass art and is full of elaborate hand-blown glass pieces that you happen to be able to smoke from. Are you outside Mellow Mood? Go on inside. If someone asks to help you, tell them that you're just looking. Trust me, they won't mind. With your back to the front door, head to the cases along the right wall. That's where you'll find a lot of the most elaborate pieces. You'll see the names of various glass-blowing artists listed near their work. Because it's Portland, and we love everything local and handcrafted here. Mellow Mood tries not to carry too much cheap, mass-produced stuff. Most of the glass that they carry here comes from local glass blowers. These artists come into the shop with their cases of glass and show the owner their work, and they pick out individual pieces to sell in the shop. If you look closely at the price tags, you'll be astounded. There are pieces here that cost $10,000. But you're paying for art and extraordinary craftsmanship. Okay, now I want to ask the person working behind the counter to show you the auto smoker and tell you all about it. It was made for a competition, and it is one of a kind. It's so cool. You'll love it. Pause me while you ask to see the auto smoker. And when you're done, head back outside and press play. Are you back outside? Head back to Hawthorne, make a right, and walk to the corner. So until 2015, my secret medical use remained my only foot in the marijuana world. I was still working in retail management and didn't feel very fulfilled. But that year I became a medical caregiver and it gave me a sense of purpose. Remember when I touched on being a caregiver? That was up in Washington State, where it was already legalized. So I was able to just go down to the local dispensary and pick up something for my consumer. I know, consumer. I don't like that word either. That's what they make you call them up there. So my consumer lived in Washington. Here in Oregon State, the rules were much more strict. Turn left at the corner and use the crosswalk to cross Hawthorne. Press the button to request the light. 
Turn left and continue walking down Hawthorne in the same direction that you've been going. So in 2015, I had a friend who had a family member in Washington State that needed a caregiver. I offered to step in and help. When I met my consumer, they were on multiple painkiller prescriptions. They spent most of the day sleeping and had no desire for social interactions. I asked if they were open to trying pot instead of the other pain pills. They were hesitant. After getting the doctors okay, I served up my first homemade cannabis cookie. Within a few months, my consumer was complaining less, taking less pain medicine, and they could be active and do more for themselves. I watched cannabis change their life for the better, and it changed my life for the better, too. Watch for traffic and cross the street. Keep walking straight on Hawthorne. The opening of medical dispensaries in 2013 opened the door to the recreational conversation. And Oregon finally voted to legalize recreational use of marijuana in 2015. It had been a long road to legalization through decriminalization and medical, but Oregon was the third state. California and Washington legalized in 2012, and there was fear of losing money to business right across the borders. A bunch of dispensaries opened up right across the border in Vancouver, Washington, and it was easy for people to drive over, get drugs, and come back to Portland. Same with California, and the police weren't really stopping anyone. Please watch for traffic and cross the street. Continue walking in the same direction on Hawthorne. By the time I was approached to work in a dispensary, I had been using pot medically for roughly 14 years. I had otherwise been out of the business. But in 2015, when dispensaries were readying to open, I got a call. A friend of mine from my kickball team, because, you know, Portland, asked if I had ever thought about working for a dispensary. I was like, a dispensary for what? And he was like, marijuana? Once again, pot was finding its way back into my life. Turns out he knew some women that were running a medical dispensary. With laws changing, they wanted someone with retail experience to help them gear up for recreational sales. So he said, just go in there and check it out. Meet them. You might like it. That was around the time that I stopped being a medical provider. Please watch for traffic and cross here. Keep walking straight on Hawthorne. So the Grass Shack, where I'm a head bud tender, opened in July of 2014. It's located in Northeast Portland, so it's too far for your visit on this route, but I'd love to see you stop by when you're in town. The owners are three middle-aged sisters from Hawaii, and it's a true family business. Sure, in Portland there are a lot of tie-dye-wearing hippies, dreadheads and drum circles, and the like, who enjoy and preach the gospel of cannabis, but there are also a lot of average, hard-working professionals. As a bud tender, especially a head bud tender, I've learned so much about the different strains of marijuana and what their effects are. Hearing feedback from customers on a daily basis helps me recommend product to other customers coming in, and I feel like I'm providing a valuable service. It's incredibly fulfilling. Cross the street straight ahead when traffic's clear and keep walking. Continue walking in the same direction you've been going. Just because pot is legal now doesn't mean it's smooth sailing. There are, of course, a lot of rules and regulations, and I won't go too far into detail because they're constantly changing and are complicated, but essentially, here's the deal. You can get your medical card and be a medical marijuana patient. If you have that, you can purchase much larger quantities and also more types of products at dispensaries. Otherwise, you can come into a dispensary and buy recreationally, but you will be limited to smaller amounts and won't be able to buy certain products. I'm taking you to a dispensary that focuses more on medical products. That's why this is important for you to know. 
The dispensary is called Canna Connection. It was once a cannabis cafe for medical patients, like I told you about at the cigar bar. Just past this mural on your right is the parking lot for Canna Connection. Watch out for cars, turn right, and head towards the store. Stop outside the shop. Check out the mural of colorful birds in front. It's done by a local artist, Matt Sholowski. It's called Unlock Cages. You'll notice that the birds are accented with locks and keys. Matt wanted to illustrate a metaphor of being freed from cages. Consuming cannabis can definitely unlock some cages. There are even specific strains to smoke to promote creativity. If you look closely, you'll also see the background makes a medical sign. Can you see the large black cross? The owner didn't care if Matt's mural was obviously pot-related. So he put the medical symbol in as a subtle nod to its history as a medical dispensary. Canna Connection usually has some sort of art by Matt and other local artists displayed inside. Legal dispensaries are great for artists because they have opened up more new spaces to display art. Just like many coffee shops and bars, dispensaries like Canna Connection can serve as gallery spaces as well. Again, pot and art go hand in hand. Okay, so let's talk about Canna Connection itself before I send you inside. Canna Connection is a dispensary with a really great selection of products for recreational users, but they also have almost everything on the market for medical users. Oh yeah, and they also sell a strain called Jack Herrer, named after the famous activist I told you about. The major differences between what you can buy as a medical user versus recreational come down to quantity and concentration. As a medical patient, you can buy larger quantities of products with higher concentrations of THC. The small amounts you're allowed to buy recreationally may be fine for people that use it medically, for small pain like arthritis or minor anxiety, but for cancer patients and the like, the amounts just aren't enough. Okay, I'm going to send you into Canna Connection in a minute. I think it's good to see what different dispensaries are like. Everyone has its own vibe. When you go in, just like Natural Wonders, you'll be asked for your ID and then sent to the store in the back. Hit pause and press play again when you're outside. When you head out of the shop, go back to the sidewalk, turn left, and head back to Hawthorne. So now you've been in two different dispensaries. It's important to do your research before choosing a dispensary. Luckily, there are great websites like Leafly or Weed Maps that can really tell you a lot about a dispensary before you go to it. Cross the street to your right and keep walking down Hawthorne. Continue walking straight down Hawthorne. Across the street, there are two great places to eat if you happen to have the munchies. You've got Zach's Shack up first across the street to your left. It's a hot dog joint. But because this is Hawthorne in Portland, they have a ton of vegan and gluten-free dogs. Next up is Porque No Taqueria, which will also be across the street to your left. It's one of the most popular restaurants in the neighborhood, if not the town. But don't worry, the line moves really fast. In a block, we'll pass a Pizza Shoals, where the pizza is definitely worth the long wait. The plethora of good restaurants is one reason this neighborhood has always been a great place to smoke. Cross the street straight ahead when traffic is clear. Keep walking in the same direction. I'd like to see the rules around legal pot change. There are so many hoops legal growers and dispensaries have to jump through, and it's really prohibitive to starting a legit business. We have the finest cannabis in the country here in Oregon, so we should capitalize on that. 
In 2016, the legal organ weed industry made $395 million in sales, but the black market did $450 million. That number is going down from where it was before legalization, and the legal business takes a bite out of the black market. But if we loosened those rules, maybe the black market would diminish faster. Use the crosswalk on your left. Cross when it's safe. Turn right. You should see the marquee for Quarter World up ahead. We'll stop there. It's an arcade now, but it used to be Mount Tabor Theater. That's where Oregon's branch of Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, held its meetings when we were still fighting for legalization. The twice-monthly meetings had the space overflowing with patients, growers, and caregivers looking for a safe place to gather. Stop here underneath the marquee for Quarter World. If you look all the way up Hawthorne with Quarter World to your left, you can see a wooded hill. That's Mount Tabor. It's a beautiful park with a great view over the city, and it's only about a 15-minute walk up to the top from Hawthorne. One of the things I like to do with my friends, if they get curious about smoking pot, is take them for a hike in the forest. Most people born in the Pacific Northwest are really going to enjoy being out in the woods and smoking pot for the first time, just enjoying the view and being with somebody who is going to help them out. The thing about Portland is that there is always somewhere beautiful to go, like Mount Tabor, for instance. What's really interesting here is that the Forestry Center has taken a stance on marijuana. They've said that they don't want public consumption. However, they realize that with responsible use, you don't really have a problem if there isn't a problem. So basically what they're saying is use it responsibly, like you would use cigarettes, or like you would treat a fire when you're camping. Make sure that it's out. Make sure that you're not smoking around children or in the parking lot. Things like that. Because, you know, there's still enough space in this state to take a long walk in the forest and not see a lot of people. Just don't get lost. You know, I understand why legalization of pot can sound scary to people. And I also understand people's fears of kids getting their hands on products. Lockboxes are a good idea for parents who consume cannabis. But as a medical marijuana patient, pot saved my life. As a bud tender, customers come in every day and tell me how having a safe, comfortable place to buy cannabis has changed their lives. And this has inspired me to share my truth. And to be able to talk about it every day at work is pretty amazing. It makes me proud to do what I do. It makes me inspired to continue doing what I'm doing and to get more involved in the cannabis movement. I hope I'm leaving you with a more comfortable understanding of cannabis as well as the neighborhood of Hawthorne. I also hope that you've been inspired by the art and creativity around you today and have seen how it's given us fertile ground for cannabis culture and how pot has fueled art in return. I'll leave you here at Quarter World. I like to think that there wouldn't be a Quarter World or even a gaming machine if it hadn't been for cannabis. I mean, it opens your mind. Go on in and play some games. Just know that there's sometimes a small cover to enter. Otherwise, if it's a nice day, you should keep walking up to Mount Tabor or enjoy some of the most amazing food offerings up and down Hawthorne. And stop by and see me at the Grass Shack sometime. I'd really enjoy seeing you. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye.